Turn Up, Turn Down is presented by Multiplatinum.com. Multiplatinum.com is a website dedicated to educating producers, engineers, and musicians with the best music production tools, techniques, and strategies to create a successful career in music. Multiplatinum.com has hundreds of hours of tutorials ranging from Pro Tools and Logic Basics to deep dives into advanced pop production techniques and more. One video series that has helped me recently is the Logic for Pro Tools Users course, which helps longtime Pro Tools users like me transfer our skills over to Logic. Please check out Multiplatinum.com today for these courses and more, and begin to take your skills to the next level. And now, turn up, turn down. Welcome to the Turn Up, Turn Down podcast. I'm Eric Torres. With me, as always, is my co-host, John Potts. What's up, man? We are um, covering some frequently asked questions today. Yeah. Uh, one of them being guitar, and I we kind of felt like we need to dive in a little more, right? Yeah, it wasn't quite a full episode's worth of interesting content, but it, yeah. it was more than just a quick answer. So we, we did a little bit of a demo here on recorded some guitar stuff, and we're going to hit some other uh, questions after that. Come on. All right, so today we thought we'd talk a little bit about guitar, and we went back and forth a couple times, maybe for, I don't know, 45 minutes trying to figure out the best way to do this. Yeah. And uh, what we came up with is we, we recorded some, some little snippets of audio here and we'll, we'll play them as we go. But we wanted to talk about guitar from the perspective of producing it, engineering it, maybe a little bit about picking out parts and stuff like that. But there are some common things that we run into. Eric has mentioned them a bunch about people recording things poorly and what problems that can make when you get to the mix phase. Wanted to talk a little bit about that. So what do you run into a lot when you're getting a track to mix that it's just not right? A couple things when um some of it is engineering, some of it some of it is playing, you know, and getting tones, that kind of thing. That's not a problem for me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's why I like you. How many times did we have to play this stupid riff? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be not not that many. Okay, that's true. You know, like four teen. Um from an engineering standpoint, please see our previous episode in gain staging because that's yes. what I hear a lot. You know, you yeah. just hear that you're overdriving something somewhere, and so there's just all this high end, like you can just sweep your low pass down to like 4K and get rid of all of it, which is cool. But then you're kind of losing some tone or whatever. But yeah, um, there's definitely some guitar that interesting part of the tone that's happening above that range. Yeah, you need. A, a lot of times you need just that air up top. Mm-hmm. And if there's a bunch of information in those frequencies, then that's going to get boosted and you're just going to have nasty tone. So that's tough. Um, the other thing, you know, sometimes there is just too much high end. The, the, the guitar is just too bright. Um, you know, if you're already playing in an upper register with a Telecaster, it's going to be bright. Yep. You know, that tone is going to be bright. You don't need to necessarily boost a bunch. And like uh, on the other side of that, if you're playing like you were with an SG in the low register and, you know, low string, it's already going to be thick and all that. You don't need to necessarily boost any. If anything, you should maybe cut some low end because there's going to be enough there. So that's kind of the too, too many highs, too many lows, and then sometimes just poorly recorded. So Yeah, what I run into with myself a lot it, that I've got to... When I'm trying to get a tone in my head, a lot of times you're thinking, 
this is a heavy guitar part or this is a distorted guitar part and you start the first thing you do is you reach for your distortion pedal your overdrive pedal and you just crank the gain right um a lot of times that's going to choke out the sound in a way that's just not right or even beyond like not getting a good tone uh it, it might just it might be a good tone it might just not be the right tone mm-hmm. you know sometimes big comes from percussion comes from dynamics right it doesn't yeah, always how come you're from, attacking that part yeah it doesn't always come from arrangement and you know this part is impactful because we took a break right before it, and then it came back in you know mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the heaviest 80s shred metal guitar as awesome as that is yeah you know um why don't we play just what we recorded and then we'll talk we we kind of did a demo of some of those issues that you run across and yeah. we'll talk about that here in just a second so let's just play this this little snippet we recorded, and then we'll play some, uh, we did some demonstrations of maybe tones you wouldn't want to use, some problems you run into, and we can talk about that. Sound good? Yep. All right. All right, so right away, one of the things that we did, that little high arpeggiated part, it'd be easy to think you need more treble when you're recording something like that, right? Right. Let me solo that up. This is the the part we recorded. So that does have sparkle, but it's not as bright as you would think. It's not harsh at all. No. we recorded, It doesn't make your ears want to plug themselves. No. We recorded uh, what I would consider as a harsh version of that. Yep. You hear it? Sound great? <laughs> 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 All right. Let's try that again. So it's not necessarily a bad tone. It's just it's not, not fun to listen to. No. It, it in context. It's, yeah, it's just poking out. My, I'm it's, squinting. Yeah, it's not, st- it's not sitting with the track yeah. like something like this. Now, this is where we get into relative, right? Absolutely. So we were talking when we were discussing, you know, what we're going to talk about. Tone, tone being relative is a big topic. So especially when it comes to rock guitars. Now, if you're talking about, um, I know there are some genres where I don't know that that would be a, uh, this will be a necessarily a true statement, but sometimes interesting is better than good. Mm-hmm. And it, it might be that, that there are certain tones or parts that inspire you to play a certain way or play a riff or, or come up with a part and the tone is ratty or it's, it's just not what people would say is a good tone. If you're watching YouTube videos of guitar players demoing pedals, they would never play a tone like this. Right. But at the same time, so we, we played that tone and then we were talking about it and I, I just, all I did was turn off the delay and reverb and switch pickups. So that's, you know, Arcade Fire. That tone is not good. It's not. Right. But that song is awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it, it's like, some I don't know, sometimes you just need that something weird to push you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So well, you play to it. Yeah. You, know, you play to the tone. With, the, with that low part you were playing, same thing. We used a different tone that was much more kind of metal-y. 
and John immediately started playing the the riff different. He started using more vibrato and mm-hmm. doing more. He wanted yeah, to throw in like some was there. Like harmonics and stuff that yeah. yeah, you just start playing differently. So it is even if it's not the right tone, it might be the right tone for something else sure. and inspire you to play something different. So this is the lower part with more gain. <laughs> That's, <laughs> this is not right. It sounds it feels like, much more like Iron Man. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what we were talking about earlier. When, when you're reaching for your tone on, you know, you got like a rock part. Don't just dime. Your Everything. Just, yeah. I mean, it might be right. There might be something that's right for. So to kind of show the difference between that and what we did, this is, um, this is just the amp distortion. <laughs> So that's just much less gain. Uh, and then this is the amp's distortion, but we, we boosted it with a pedal in front of it. So we boosted the amp into overdrive with by kicking the front end input of it. But there's really no overdrive happening from the pedal. It's got a little bit different, a little bit more high-end, a little bit a little less bite. mid-range. Yeah. And those, still smooth. Yeah. It's still very round. It doesn't have that... That like yeah. ear piercing make you want to squint and and you can ears. the sustain between those and the dimed distortion pedal, it's just is night and day different. But th- here's what those sound like together, panned right and left. It creates this natural, like when the note is sustaining, but it's it's really not right. It creates space where a vocal can really sit right there. You know, it's floating in between those. Yep. That that's going to be an easier arrangement. It's it's better for this song. Yeah, I mean, we just do that together. Riff. But yeah. yeah, we were trying to create a vibe with the song, and that yeah. those are much more the kind of tones you would want. Right. Sort of chill, kind of relaxed thing. So I think that about covers what we wanted to talk about. Really, maybe three main things. Um, if you're recording a distorted guitar part, don't just reach for a pedal before you maybe see what your amp can do. Now, obviously, if you're recording a super clean Fender-style amp, that might not be possible. But right. try to explore your options, because if, if you just start turning up the gain, it, might, it really might not be the right tone for the part, and you can leave yourself in a hole. Mm-hmm. If you're recording a clean, sparkly guitar part, don't just crank the treble. Yeah, the part's <laughs> already sparkly and clean. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't need, doesn't need all that high end. Yeah. And to reiterate what we talked about last episode, but definitely in reference to the guitar, Make sure you're setting your gain staging correctly. Every step of the process, preamp, EQ, compressor, don't distort it or you're not trying to distort it. That's right. All right. So now some more questions. Yeah. I just got them here on my phone. Haven't even read them to John yet. We might just get some off the cuff. So people ask all the time, uh, printing stems, printing effects, audio suite, all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts? When do you do that? When do you not do it? What do you think? So I actually was just talking about this uh, the other day with a guy uh, who asked me in person uh, the same question. And it's sort of a case-by-case basis. If there's a part that I feel like is the tone, the effects I have going, like when I'm recording a demo or if I've recorded the tracks and I'm going to send them off to be mixed, but I've done some rough processing. If there's something that is inspiring other parts of the song and I feel like it's a kind of a key to the song, I will print those effects. But I'll almost always, even if I do that, 
print them to a separate track and then send the dry track as well yeah. to the mixer. Mm-hmm. That way it's like, you kind of know, this is what I'm going for. If you can do better than this, or if you can get a version of this that fits in the mix better, go for it. But if this sounds good, just use it. You know, it leaves everybody's options open, and it's also less ambiguous. Instead of just trying to describe in an email, like, I want an ambient piano sound. Yeah, what yeah, does yeah. that mean? You know? Yeah. That, that's not helpful most of the time. Yeah, I like to, a couple things, like, with, um, obviously, whoa, talk, Eric. Yeah, I like to print effects as well. A lot of times it's so you can ha- you can ensure that you have those effects later on. You might um, be traveling, working on the project or something. You get to someone's studio. They don't have your Echo Boy, even though everybody should. Right. <laughs> so luckily you've got that, you know, printed in there. And also if you're working with labels or something or, or even artists that want to take your files, you know, they like the final mix. They got everything you did but want to send it off um, to get to get remixed or something, like an actual dance mix or something like that. Having those effects or whatever it is, sometimes even stems, it doesn't hurt to just yeah. print some stems while you're at it. Um, I've got a template I use for printing stems as well as uh, effects, all that kind of stuff. So just one one print down, you know, you just it took you five minutes to do and you've got all your stuff there for for safety. Why not? Uh, yeah. I was bouncing down parts the other day uh, to go between Pro Tools and Logic, and I printed out <laughs> the drum mix, and then I printed out the bass. I was like, "What did I do this at the same time?" It made no sense. It was so stupid. Yeah, that's not fun. That's that's a lot of time sitting there Being doing wasted. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, people ask me all the time, like in the studio, about getting a good vocal sound and all that. Um, and they, they're always questioning whether they need to be right up on the mic or away from the mic and what my suggestions are. What do you think, John? Oh, man, you put me on the spot with that one. Yep. Um, as a general rule, four to eight inches, kind of start there. <laughs> see, where, see what the song needs. I mean, uh, some songs you do need to be right up on it. Yeah. Um, it depends on what you're singing into. Is it a dynamic or a condenser mm-hmm. or, or a ribbon? Um, it depends on the intimacy of the part for me. So sometimes I want to catch all that little stuff that's happening in your mouth when you're breathing and opening, like the sa- the extra sounds that come along with singing. Right. You need to be up on the mic to catch her that. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to balance, what room are you singing in? How treated is it? Are you getting room noise? It, all that stuff matters to me. Absolutely. It's sort of a case-by-case basis, I guess, to to, sum, <laughs> to summarize that answer. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I, I tend to tell people. What kind of room are you in? How much ambience is there? I think that's the key factor. If you're in a perfect room, it really does. then it's all about you know what kind of emotion you want out of the song. Um, they make those reflection filters now. Yeah. SE makes one. Uh, Sterling makes one. I've seen you know, a bunch yeah. of people make them now. I think they work pretty well. Um, so does a blanket behind you or something like that. Honestly, but, I've recorded some of my best vocals, which is hanging a blanket behind somebody yep. in a reflection filter yep. in, in a room that sounds horrible. <laughs> you know, you can, you can really work on it. Yeah. One of the things you want to make sure is that those reflection filters will, um, they're, you know, behind the microphone. So you're singing into them and they'll block that sound out, but you're still going to get reflections on the wall behind you and above you. It's not killing all the projected no, sound. No, so if you're doing just the hang a blanket method, 
it's really easy just to grab an extra mic stand, make it like a T, and hang that blanket behind you, and that'll kill a lot of extra sound. Yep. Yeah. But as far as distance from microphone, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Whatever whatever's working for the song, whatever's working for you, and it depends a little bit on how um, how much motion the singer has. If it's a person who's not very well trained with mm. a microphone. And they're very, uh, they've got a lot of movement to the way they sing. Um, if you can afford to do it, the further back they are from the microphone, the less noticeable that's going to be. Right. When so, you're right up on the mic and you move one inch over, you can really hear that. Yeah. You, you're going to have. when I'm back here and I'm moving all over the place and the sound is still fairly consistent. consistent. Absolutely. You're, and proximity effect is something that you're going to um, get on some microphones, dynamics, condensers, that kind of stuff. And you may want it, you may not want to want it, or you may not need it in your particular sound. So there's just all those kind of things. Basically, use your ears, right? <laughs> Listen, does it yeah. sound good? Then it is good. Yes. Do you have um, a first eye-opening or like game-changing piece of gear you bought? Mm. I thought that was a cool one someone asked. That is a good one. Um, what would you say yours is? I'll think about it. Well... It's kind of all of them, <laughs> like every pro piece of gear when I upgraded, uh, the first thing was the converters and, you know, I worked in pro studios before and everything sounded great. But once you're, once I was in my room with my monitors, and everything, and I upgraded my converters to real pro, the Lynx Aurora converters, I was like, whoa, okay, that makes total sense. That's why everyone does this. And then, you know, I got a new monitor controller and that was a game changer for me as well summing uh once i got new monitors bought real professional high-end monitors it's it was another step up so that was i feel like every big purchase you make can open your eyes once you're in your environment because you're in a you're in a ocean way or something like that a big studio everything sounds good so you're just like okay this is this is great and you realize what a neve console can sound like when you're running through it but all those uh, purchases along the way for me kind of opened my eyes um, to why people get those things and spend that amount of money on real high-end pro gear. Yeah, so just thinking about it, the two th the piece of gear I'd say to answer that question literally would be I I bought uh, a channel strip altogether. Um, I bought my germanium pre and EQ Chandler Limited, and then I bought my distressor. I bought that all at the same time, and going from just a stock. Digio three, you know, Pro Tools preamp yeah. to something that nice was a it just was great. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably the biggest thing for me was for years and years and years worked out of a bedroom that was untreated, <laughs> and then yeah. I'm now I'm in a, a studio space and it, it's it's a real studio and it is treated. You could do the same thing by treating your room, right? But I'll say going from an untreated room to a treated room was just it, how much easier it makes everything monitoring. I can just record some acoustic guitar right where I'm sitting if I need to because it sounds good. It's, you know, well-treated room. I, I think that's that's probably the biggest eye-opener of, like, how easy it is to record in a well-treated room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A uh, good question that someone uh, asked to kind of piggyback on that. Um, if, you can, if you can only get one thing, afford to do one piece of the huge puzzle that is recording and production, um, what would that be what we what would you suggest and you know there's the thing like any good preamp will make uh, any mic sound better or does the mic matter or does the room matter um 
I'm going to say like once you, if you take away, let's say you already have the computer, you already have some stuff. Um, I I think I would recommend a good mic. Get a good all around mic um, that you know isn't isn't getting in the way. You know, there's some some microphones that you know just aren't capturing the full sound, and if if you don't have a great pre and you have a bad mic as well. That's not good. <laughs> so no. so get so yeah. spend a good amount of money, a thousand bucks or so, save up, get some get a get a good microphone. It'll it'll also give you kind of more confidence to have, you know, other people singing on it or or that you you have that piece uh in place. Um I don't know. That that would kind of be my my thing. A get good, a good mic. A good microphone's gonna travel with you. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I cosign. I agree with that. Okay. Sweet. Another one I liked. Do you have any uh, cool recommendations for what you would consider like a budget piece of gear or, uh, you know, like a really cheap plug-in? Something that shouldn't necessarily be great, but is for the price especially. Budget piece of gear. Man, I just bought an amp. On, on Craigslist. Yeah. And it, not specifically about the amp, but goodness gracious, you can find some awesome deals out there nowadays for just use stuff that people don't need anymore. Yeah. It's hard to narrow it down <laughs> like a budget piece. Um, if I'm thinking of new gear that's uh, reasonably priced, there are a range of guitar pedals from a, a company called Exotic Effects. Mm-hmm. Um, they make an awesome compressor that I have and they make a, a boost pedal called the EP booster. And they're all like 119, 129 new, you know, for a guitar pedal, that that's an amazing price. And the cool thing about them from a producer or engineer standpoint is that, uh, they're kind of utility pedals. You know, people don't always want to spend money on a boost pedal or a compressor pedal but they're really useful to have in a lot of situations. Right. And so if if you're not a guitar player, but you're a producer, they might be cool pedals to have around for when you're bringing in people to track to get, you know, get going back to the tones we were talking about boosting an amp or something like that might be a really good way to do that. Well, and to use them on other stuff. Oh yeah. Not just for guitars. Sure. Yeah. Run your drums, run your vocals, run your mm-hmm. everything. They also make a, like a Marshall style amp in a box pedal. Cool. Same price range. It's really good sounding. That's and awesome. Little mini pedals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reminded a couple weeks ago about the FMR stuff. They make, um, it's called the RNP, really nice pre, and the RNC, the really nice compressor. And these look like, you know, they don't look like a pro piece of gear at all, but they sound really good. <laughs> the, the The name is very true. Um, and they're like, I think the pre is actually stereo. The one that this guy had, I, th- I think they are all two channel and they're under $300. Oh, wow. And they sound just as good as, you know, they don't sound like a 1073, but they sound, they sound as good as like a grace or, um, you know, something like that. Like a wow. good... A, a, just a nice clean pre mm-hmm. with lots of headroom and the compressor same thing you can have um you know a full channel strip for probably used you can get it for like 400 bucks for a pre and compressor 
that's that's really good and and i and it's going to be a huge huge upgrade from most you know like avid pre's or focus right you know uh, interface pre's that kind of stuff um they're great and it's not one of those things that you'll regret buying you know once you upgrade down the road you can still always use them throw them on you know scratch vocal or something like that they're they're really good so that's really the key there's a lot of like mics and stuff like that that are well, I'd say it's good for the money. Like mm-hmm. if you've only got 500 to spend, there's a lot of mics that are good for $500, but they're not necessarily good if you go past that level. Right. So it's, it's good to think about things like preamps that are, they're under $300, but they're good for any quality of project. Yeah. You can, you can take that thing in. If you run out of pre's in, in a pro studio or, you know, whatever it is, you can throw up that pre, it's not going to get laughed at. <laughs> you know, it's, it's still going to work. That's it's awesome. still going to do, do the job really well. So. Yeah. Sweet. So I think that covers all the questions that we wanted to get to today. Thank you for listening. Please check out our Instagram account, Facebook page. Give us a subscribe, rating, all that good stuff. Please uh, spread the word, tell a friend, and uh, thank you for writing in. Thanks for, we like interacting with you guys. Appreciate it. All right.